Mother's Day marks an awkward time of year for those on the hard left. First, there are those who deny the value of motherhood. Cecile Richards of Planned Parenthood tweeted, Nothing says I love you, Mom, like standing up for the rights of mothers everywhere to get the care they need. By this, presumably, she meant abortion. Planned Parenthood performs hundreds of thousands of abortions every year. But there is one thing that says I love you, Mom, more than providing abortion care. Babies who aren't aborted. It turns out that in order for the Appalachian mother to have any meaning, children must actually be part of the process. Then there are those people on the left who believe that childbearing and child rearing aren't central to the female mission. That checking accounts receivable is more socially and individually rewarding. In this category, we could put Ivanka Trump, who tweeted about the wage gap on Mother's Day, even though the only true reason for the difference in overall earnings between men and women is attributable to motherhood. It turns out that it may be worth families foregoing mom doing extra work at the office if she can spend more time at home with the kids. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's worth celebrating. But the fun, or lack thereof, doesn't stop there for the radical left. We still haven't dealt with the cisgender nature of Mother's Day. How could we suggest that women have anything special to celebrate when men can be women? After all, Dove has run an ad with a transgender woman explaining what motherhood means to him. A columnist for the Toronto Star... Emma Titel wrote this week that Mother's Day should be ditched in favor of Guardian's Day since, quote, gendered holidays are painful and exclusionary and a drag for non-binary parents who don't identify with a single gender. Titel says, quote, a guardian can be a mom, a dad, a non-binary parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a pet owner, or why the heck not, somebody who takes really good care of his houseplants. But we're still not done. How about gay couples? What about children with two daddies? One Canadian school has reportedly ditched Mother's Day and Father's Day because they are not sufficiently inclusive. The administration announced via letter, quote, in an effort to celebrate diversity, inclusivity, and also nurture our students who are part of non-traditional families, we've decided to encourage those celebrations to take place at home. So we've already done away with apple pie, far too much sugar for those growing kitties, and now we're doing away with motherhood. Do we have any values in common anymore? Fortunately, most Americans still reject this stupidity. Mothers are still mothers. Motherhood still has inherent and beautiful value. My wife's a doctor, which means she does the most important work there is, but she believes her most important role is as a mother to our two children. And she's right. It's amazing that our society has become so jaded about the value of motherhood, willing to overthrow it in favor of gender and sexual sensitivity, as well as increasing women's hours in the workplace. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Another day and more chaos. We certainly picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue around here. We'll get to all of that in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our advertisers over at Blue Apron. So, if you are somebody who enjoys an excellent fresh meal, you're sick of going to restaurants where they pile on all of the salt and they pile on all the calories and then they overcharge you for it, BlueApron.com is the best way to eat. It is the cleanest and best way to eat. The way that it works is that you sign up for BlueApron.com slash Shapiro and they send you recipes, like fantastic gourmet recipes with all of the ingredients that are freshly chosen. If they're not fresh, then you can return it, and uh, they won't make you pay for it, obviously. They also, they, these recipes are, are top-notch. I mean, here's some, they, they give you a different recipe every night. When you subscribe, it's beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar, snap peas, and lime rice, for example, and you cook it. They send it to you, you cook it, all the ingredients pre-made for you, all of the all of the recipes Preset out for you. It's as easy as just following the steps on the recipe and make sure that everyone can cook together, which is awesome. Research shows that Blue Apron families actually cook three times more often than everybody else. Those who spend a lot at restaurants or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under th- at under 10 bucks per person for a delicious meal. 
Again, it's like, like baked spinach and egg flatbread with sautéed asparagus and lemon aioli, crispy salmon and roasted potato salad with pickled mustard seeds and creme fraiche sauce. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awesome. See, here's the thing. All of these recipes are high-end recipes that you'd be getting at a top-notch restaurant, except you're cooking it yourself. It's affordable, again, under $10 per person, per meal, variety, variety of new recipes every week. If you don't like a recipe, they won't repeat it. Recipes are not repeated within a year, so you never get bored. You know, for, for my family, we have the same thing every Tuesday, except if you get Blue Apron, you don't have to do that anymore. You get something brand new every single day, and they have that freshness guarantee promising that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook, or they will make it right. BlueApron.com slash Shapiro. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create these incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. BlueApron.com slash Shapiro. When you use the slash Shapiro, you get the first three meals free with free shipping. Again, BlueApron.com slash Shapiro. Make sure you use the Shapiro so that they know that we sent you. Okay, so... There are two narratives that have now been building up over the last 24 hours. It's, we really need to do two shows a day now because the news is breaking so fast and so furious. So yesterday, late in the afternoon, the New York Times breaks a piece that essentially claims that Donald Trump said to outgoing FBI director, fired FBI director James Comey back in February, that he wanted him to shut down the investigation into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. This is according to the New York Times, and it's kind of a bombshell for reasons that we'll talk about. So... It says President Trump, this is the New York Times reporting, and before everyone goes, oh, New York Times, fake news, fake news, fake news, okay, it was confirmed by a bunch of other mainstream media outlets, you don't get to say fake news until something is shown to be fake news, okay? Let's just, simple rule, you don't get to say fake news until the evidence, the preponderance of the evidence shows that it is fake news, okay? I don't have to, it doesn't have to be beyond a reasonable doubt, but a preponderance of the evidence, okay? So let's put this fake news label aside, just because the New York Times reported it doesn't mean that we get to pretend that... Nobody, that everything they say is a lie. Everything they say is biased, but not everything they say is a lie. And you'll see that in this piece. So it says, President Trump asked FBI Director James Comey to shut down the federal investigation into Mr. Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, in an Oval Office meeting in February, according to a memo Mr. Comey wrote shortly after the meeting. I hope you can let this go, the president told Mr. Comey, according to the memo. The documentation of Mr. Trump's request is the clearest evidence that the president has tried to directly influence the Justice Department and FBI investigation into links between Mr. Trump's associates and Russia. Late Tuesday, Representative Jason Chaffetz, the Republican chairman of the House Oversight Committee, demanded that the FBI turn over all, quote, memoranda, notes, summaries, and recordings of discussions between Mr. Trump and Mr. Comey. Such documents, Mr. Chaffetz wrote, would, quote, raise questions as to whether the president attempted to influence or impede the FBI. Mr. Comey wrote the memo detailing his conversation with the president immediately after the meeting, which took place the day after Mr. Flynn resigned, according to two people who read the memo. It was part of a paper trail Mr. Comey created documenting what he perceived as the president's improper efforts to influence a continuing investigation and FBI count agents' contemporaneous notes are widely held up in court as credible evidence of conversations. Apparently, he shared the existence of the memo with senior FBI officials and close associates. The New York Times has not viewed a copy of the memo, which is unclassified, but one of Mr. Comey's Associates read parts of it to a Times reporter. So apparently he said, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. Trump told Comey he's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Trump told Comey Flynn had done nothing wrong, according to the memo. So there are a couple problems with this. One is we haven't seen the memo yet. So people who are saying, well, this is awful, awful, awful. Again, let's see the memo first. That's number one. Number two, 
do I believe that the memo is real? Yeah, I do, because I think that Comey probably created the memo specifically to create a bureaucratic paper trail. This is what career bureaucrats like James Comey do. And I think that this is Comey's revenge on Trump. So two narratives have been generated by this. Narrative number one is coming from the left. Narrative number two is coming from the right. And they are not mutually exclusive. Okay, so narrative number one coming from the left is Trump is incompetent, Trump's a buffoon, or Trump is nefarious and evil and impeachable. And the case that they're making basically is that here is the chain of events. If you're a leftist and you're watching this or you're a member of the mainstream media and you're watching all of this unfold, here is the logic that you are using in your head. And we're going to go through it and explain why it's flawed. But here's what you think if you're on the left. Here's what you think from the chain of events. Lots of rumors in the election cycle about Trump being in cahoots with Russia. Trump is very nice to Russia the whole time. Then, over the objections of pretty much everybody right and left, he appoints National Security Advisor Mike Flynn to that position, to National Security Advisor, despite the fact that it's pretty widely known that Flynn has some nefarious ties with the Russians. Right? That's all confirmed. That's all known. Then, Flynn ends up being fired for reasons that remain sort of unclear. He ends up being fired by the Trump administration. Trump says it's because Flynn lied to Mike Pence about a phone call that he had with Sergey Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, but that's not super credible. We still don't really know why Mike Flynn was fired by Trump. It may have just been Trump got sick of him. He was tired of the controversy and decided to off him. But here again is the chain of events from the left. Trump is, is quote-unquote, in cahoots with Russia. This is their background. And if you're starting with that background, which, by the way, there's no proof of, if you're starting with that background idea, then the rest of this all looks like obstruction of justice. So it looks like he appointed Flynn. Flynn has to be fired because Flynn is dirty. And then the day after, Trump goes to James Comey and says, I need you to stop your investigation, or I hope that you can see your way clear to stopping this investigation into Flynn. And then Comey doesn't stop the investigation into Flynn, and then Trump fires him two months later. Right? That's what the chain of events looks like. It looks like February, there's this conversation, and by May, Flynn, Flynn is gone and Trump is firing Comey. And then Trump is lying about why he fired Comey. He's sending out people to say that it's all because of the Hillary investigation that Comey botched. And then he goes on national TV and he says, well, really, I was kind of getting sick of all this Russia stuff, and so he had to fire James Comey. So if all those things were true, then it looks like obstruction of justice, right? It looks like Trump was trying to fire the FBI director in order to get him to stop the investigation into contacts between members of Trump's team like Mike Flynn and the Russians. And that's why this is such a bombshell report. And this is the case that the left is trying to make. And they've jumped on this with both feet today. So Sally Yates, who, as you remember, was the deputy attorney general who, well, actually the acting attorney general at this time, who warned President Trump about Mike Flynn's quote-unquote nefarious ties with the Russians. She was on TV yesterday saying that Mike Flynn was a national security threat. And we felt like... It was a national security threat. Absolutely. Okay, so she says that Flynn was a national security threat, obviously. And so the Democrats have jumped on this to basically say Flynn was a national security threat. Trump wanted to kill the investigation. He told Comey he wanted the investigation killed, and then he fired Comey. So obstruction of justice. And here is every Democrat and media member in the world using that phrase, obstruction of justice. The reason they're saying obstruction of justice is because obstruction of justice is quote-unquote impeachable. Right. It, 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 quote, obstruction of justice is a high crime or misdemeanor. It looks like the president's doing something bad. And that means that Congress has the grounds to impeach. Now, we'll talk about whether Congress would do that in any case in a second. The answer is no. But the, the Democrats are trying to make the case for impeachment, not because they think he's going to get impeached, but because they want to make it a 2018 issue. So here's all these Democrats saying obstruction of justice, this and obstruction of justice, that. Trump uh, asked uh, Comey, according to news reports, you just mentioned it, uh, to Stop the investigation of General Flynn, uh, which is kind of the definition of what obstruction of justice is. Allegation that the president may have engaged in some interference or obstruction of the investigation. Uh, I think we know enough now. There's been enough alleged publicly 
uh, to want to bring the director back to testify, ideally in open session, either before our committee or the Judiciary Committee, but he should come back to the Congress and share what he knows in terms of the president's conversations with him. Okay, so bottom line is that if you're a Democrat and you already think Trump is guilty, now you think Trump is more guilty and you think it's obstruction of justice. Now, before everybody on the right goes, well, they're crazy because there's no actual fire here, which is true. There's no actual fire here. Before everybody on the right goes crazy, let's imagine that the situation reversed and Barack Obama, there had been rumors about him colluding with the Russians during the 2012 election. And then after that, he, there was an investigation into his associates and their ties to Russia. And then he told the FBI director, it would be great if you dropped this. And then he fired the FBI director. You think the right might be crying bloody murder? They would. So before we suggest that this is utterly uncredible outside the bounds of reason, the reason I'm saying this, folks, is because I think it's important we were able to have a conversation about what's true and false instead of immediately leaping to the partisan battle line. So this is why the Democrats are making this claim. Nancy Pelosi is saying this, too. She says that Trump is unfit for office. There are many facets to this as, you know, is the president, is he fit to be president of the United States when he would do such a thing? You know, there's other takes on it. But I've almost over 20 years of experience as a, the top Democrat on intelligence or uh, as a, a, in the leadership of the Gang of Eight. And this is, a, this is a dedication. You really have to read your stuff, know your She's stuff. She's hard to watch. Breathe. She's terrible because obviously when she says unfit for office, the first thing we all think is, you're Nancy Pelosi. You don't get to talk about unfit for office. But there are very few Republicans who are out there defending Trump yesterday because there's not enough information to defend him yet. So Brett Baer on Fox News last night, he said, we kept trying to find Republicans to come on and defend Trump on this Comey stuff. And we got nothing. We've tried tonight to get Republicans to come out and talk to us. And there are not uh, Republicans willing to go on camera tonight uh, as of yet. And we'll see if that changes. OK, so narrative number one is the narrative from the left, and that is Trump is fundamentally unfit for office. And that is either true because he is purposefully obstructing justice or because he's stupid enough to say things that look like obstruction of justice. Now, my own take on this is, number one, there is no fire as to the Trump-Russia stuff. There's no evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia. There's not even evidence of collusion between Trump's campaign team and Russia at this point, And this is wildly overblown, obviously. Beyond that, if Trump did say to Comey, if you could see your way clear to dropping this, that'd be great. Does that necessarily constitute obstruction of justice? Not really, because Trump says lots of dumb things. I mean, Trump says lots of silly things all the time, and he's very casual in his language. And this is sort of the problem with Trump, is you don't know when to take him seriously and when not to take him seriously, which leads to narrative number two. And this is the narrative from the right. So the narrative from the left today is Trump obstructed justice, and now it's impeachable. Narrative from the right is this is all a witch hunt. There's nothing here. Everybody is out to get Trump, and this is all crazy towns. This is all part of a broader effort by the intelligence community to take down Trump. This is all part of a broader effort by the media to take down Trump. This is all part of a broader effort by the Democrats to take down Trump. And again, these two narratives are now at war with one another. So backing that narrative yesterday was H.R. McMaster, the national security advisor. He says that the, the people who leaked the story, another story from last week, that, that President Trump had given intelligence information, classified information to the Russians in this meeting just offhand. He said that the leak of that information is really what's dangerous, not Trump giving it to the Russians. I think the real issue, and, and I think what I'd like to see really debated more, is that our national security has been put at risk by those violating confidentiality and those releasing information uh, to the press that, that, uh, that, could, that could be used, uh, connected with other information available uh, to, to make American citizens and others more vulnerable.
People on the right are very I, I, upset with the leaks. People are saying that this is totally inappropriate because of the leaks. That's what's really dangerous here. It's the effort to get Trump that's dangerous from inside his own administration. It is not Trump himself who is dangerous, and this is all just a manufactured case against Trump. And there's a lot of truth to this, okay? Like, for example, on the Comey thing, if what Trump said to Comey was, in fact, obstruction of justice, why didn't Comey just quit? The most self-righteous man in America is James Comey. The most self-flattering man in America is James Comey, except for President Trump. Why wouldn't he just quit? Why wouldn't he walk out of the Oval Office and say to the press, guys, I had to leave because Trump clearly wants to obstruct justice on this Mike Flynn thing, and I can't be around to be part of that obstruction of justice. Why didn't he at least announce it? Why didn't he at least say anything? Right, this is the argument that's being made from the right. And there's a lot of truth to this. There's a lot of truth to this. So again, we have these dueling narratives. And we're going to talk in a second about which of the dueling narratives is more important, which one is right, and what the impact is going to be on politics for the next couple of years, because Republicans have, uh, have uh, a conundrum on their hands. Democrats can just keep campaigning against Trump, but Republicans have a conundrum on their hands. We'll talk about all of that in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our friends over at My Patriot Supply. So if everything feels chaotic right now, if it feels like North Korea is on the verge of gaining a nuclear missile that could hit the United States, which they sort of are, if it feels like the federal government is not capable of taking care of you in a crisis, which it isn't. If it feels like a natural disaster, it would leave you and your family unsafe. That's why you need preparewithben.com, preparewithben.com, 888-803-1413. You get a four-week emergency food supply for just 99 bucks plus free shipping. In case of the zombie apocalypse, you're going to be the one who is safe because you're the one who actually spent that $99. It's like a one-time charge, guys, for a four-week emergency food supply. Folks in the office have tasted it. They say that it tastes like home cooking. And again, you just put it on your shelf. You forget about it until there's an emergency, and then you don't have to worry about it. That's what preparewithben.com is for. Four-week emergency food supply for just $99. 888-803-1413. Preparewithben.com. Every governmental agency says that you should have a certain amount of food on on tap just in case of an emergency. And if even the government says they can't take care of you, you can guarantee the government can't take care of you. That's why you need preparewithben.com. Four-week emergency food supply for 99 bucks plus free shipping again. That's preparewithben.com. Okay, so as part of the Trump is a victim of a, of a hit that's out to get him, Tucker Carlson was pushing that last night. He says this whole Comey-Flynn bombshell is not really a bombshell. It's just another media hit job. Be skeptical, says the retired Navy SEAL. Be quiet, screams the 33-year-old news anchor, clapping her hands in rage. How dare you question the authorities, in this case the news media. Quote, you cannot attack the stellar reporters of CNN, she says, as if this settles the debate. Now, a lot of cable panels have unfolded like this recently, and that is a shame, because as we noted earlier, the world is a very complicated place, Washington especially. What you think is happening often really isn't happening. Okay, so... Again, I think there's some truth to this. The media are, are out to get Trump. There's no question that that's true. Dana Bash, right, who's on the left, she says the deep state is out to get Trump, and that's pretty clear from this New York Times report. And if you just take a step back, Wolf, just in the past 24 hours, right or wrong, what this president has done in his first 100-plus days, even before he came into office, is pick fights with the intelligence community and now the law enforcement community particularly the way, never mind that he fired James Comey, but the way in which he did it, not giving him the respect of actually telling him in person or at least not having him find out from cable news. And so we know that this is, you know, they talk about the deep state. Well, this, these are communities that, are, that have a lot of loyalty within and know how to get back, even if you're the president of the United States. And look how excited Dana Bash is about all this. And you can see that the, the pundits are just overjoyed with all of this, which is why the right reacts to the media by saying, you guys are totally full of crap. There's nothing here. Here's an entire montage of pundits just saying, 
impeachment, 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 impeachment. They're obviously very excited about this story and they want impeachment. If these allegations, Senator, are true, uh, are we getting closer and closer to the possibility of yet another impeachment process? Reluctantly, Wolf, I I have to say yes, simply because obstruction of justice is such a serious offense. Uh, And I say it with with sadness. We already nailed down the fact he fired the guy afterwards for not playing ball with him. There's a lot of evidence here. It seems it would take a reasonable person in the direction of perhaps wanting more information. But clearly we're on the trail there to an impeachment. I think we're in impeachment territory now really? for the first time. Well, I think that the obstruction of justice was the number one charge against Nixon mm-hmm. that brought him down. Obstruction of justice was the number one charge against Bill Clinton, which led to his indictment in the House. He won in the Senate. Um, and I think I'm, I'm a lapse lawyer. I cannot tell you what it meets all the legal definitions, but I can tell you from a lay point of view, it looks like he was trying to impede the investigation. Mm-hmm. He was using his power to do that. And when James Comey didn't go along with him, when he wasn't his boy, he fired him, which I think is also relevant to the question of what he was trying to do. You've got to identify and lay out for the American public everything that he has done, these firings, these obstruction of justice, et cetera, et cetera. And in the final analysis, Maxine Waters was right. You got to impeach him. I know the entire Democratic Party. So that was that was Wolf Blitzer, Chris Matthews, David Gergen and Maxine Waters. Also, Angus King, senator from Maine, all saying that we are growing close to impeachment. So does this sound like a produced narrative? Does this sound like everybody's on the same page in the Democratic Party? It does. And that's why there are people on the right who are saying this sounds like a conspiracy to take down President Trump. And there is truth to that. So I'm going to talk in a minute about what's true and what's false and where we stand in the Republican Party as far as Trump in just a second. But first, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. For $8 a month, you can become a subscriber over at dailywire.com. If you get any annual subscription right now, then you get a free copy of Jeremy Boring's great border film. Uh, it's a western, modern western set on the border of the Arroyo, all about a rancher trying to protect his land from drug cartels using it as a thoroughfare for drugs and human trafficking. Uh, also, if you become a subscriber right now, then you're, number one, helping us out. We always appreciate it. It costs a lot of money to actually produce the show. Um, but also, it makes certain that you can be a part of the mailbag in a couple of days. Well, tomorrow, actually, we're going to do the mailbag. Uh, we're going to start bringing you a Friday show as well, which is very exciting. So go over to dailywire.com to subscribe. Or if you just want to listen later, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud and subscribe there. Take a listen and leave us a rating. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So with all of this said, with all of this said, here are the things that we know are true. We know that President Trump gets himself into an awful lot of trouble a lot of the time. He spent the last two weeks blowing holes in his own feet. He's adopted the cleave on little and blazing strategy in in blazing saddles strategy of negotiation. He puts the gun to his own head and dares everybody to to let him shoot. It's, it's really foolish. Trump has made his own bed here. And I do want to point out two things. I want to point out a couple things. One, this first narrative that Trump obstructed justice is wildly overblown, okay? We don't have evidence yet that Trump obstructed justice. We haven't even seen Comey's memo. Even if we see Comey's memo, that's not necessarily clear evidence that Trump obstructed justice. He could just be a doofus, right? That's, honestly, that's his best answer to a lot of the charges being leveled against him right now is that he's sort of a doof. I think they would behoove Republicans who are, def- who are Trump defenders to acknowledge that a lot of the time Trump is just a doof. This isn't 40 chess. Here's the problem. If you say that what Trump is doing is 40 chess, that means he purposefully leaked classified information to the Russians that apparently put an Israeli spy in danger. And also it means that he was 
obviously threatening Comey. If, you, if there's all 40 chess by a super intelligent guy, then it's actually more nefarious. Your best defense for Trump at this point is that the man says stupid things sometimes, even if overall you think he's a smart guy. Okay, so I don't think there's enough evidence here for impeachment talk. I don't think there's enough evidence here for a criminal charge. I don't think there's enough evidence here for obstruction. I don't think there's any evidence yet because we don't even have the memo yet. Okay, so once we have all the information on the table, we can talk about it. With that said, I see why Democrats are suspicious of Trump. I see why they're upset about Trump, at least the sincere ones. On the other hand, this looks very produced. It looks like the intel agencies are out to get Trump. It looks like the media are out to get Trump. It looks like the Democrats are jumping on this to get Trump because there just isn't a lot of there there yet, even though everybody is saying that this is the end of little Trumpy, that this is the end of President Trump. And so I think that it's a mistake for everybody to get out over their skis right and left. It's a mistake for the right to say that everything Trump does is wonderful and terrific and it's all a conspiracy. And it's a mistake for people on the left to suggest that this is impeachable and that we're right on the verge of getting rid of President Trump. I will say one more note with, with regard to the, the talk on the right about how everybody is out to get Trump. If you, it's the same note I made yesterday. If you want Trump to do better, we have to stop with this nonsense that Trump is a delicate snowflake who's being persecuted by the left with no responsibility of his own. Two things can be true at once. He can be victimized by a left that wants to finish him. And it can also be true that he has a terrible habit of destroying himself. The media hated Mitt Romney. The media hated John McCain. And lest you forget, they hated George W. Bush, the president of the United States, who they called a war criminal. They say he sold blood for oil, murdered hundreds of thousands of people to get Halliburton some walking around money, and engaged in obstruction of justice himself, supposedly, by firing all of the attorneys under, under Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez. Right? This idea that the media are somehow much, much harsher on Trump than they are on any of these other Republicans is just historically ignorant. This idea that Republicans are undercutting Trump in a way that no Republican has ever been undercut. This is also absolute nonsense. Do you remember during the Bush administration that in his second term particularly, Bush got nothing done because the Republicans would not work with him? He couldn't get Social Security privatization done. He couldn't get it done, right? Nothing happened there. He tried to push immigration reform, and Republicans cut the legs out right from under him. Rightly so, but they cut the legs out right from under him. Here is the truth. Okay, Trump has more Republican solidity behind him than George W. Bush had for the vast majority of his administration. Right now, Trump is sinking in the public opinion polls, but 79% of Republicans say they approve of the job that Trump is doing. That's not because Trump is doing a good job. That's because they feel personal loyalty to Trump, who they feel is under attack. So this idea that Trump is being victimized, you know, I heard this from Sean Hannity yesterday, that, that it's, it, Trump is being victimized, the media, and it's the never-Trumpers, and it's the intel community. Okay, all of this has a, a grain of truth to it, but it is also true. And I don't think it's true, by the way, that there are a lot of Republicans who are out there undercutting Trump in a way they haven't to Republicans in the past. I think that it's Trump has made a lot of big mistakes. The deep state. Do you recall that George W. Bush actually used the FBI to target leakers in the administration and in Congress? He launched an FBI probe in 2003 against leakers in his administration and in Congress. Special prosecutor Patrick Fitzgerald, who was appointed by one James B. Comey to investigate the Bush administration leaks regarding Valerie Plame. In October 2003, Bush told his top officials to stop the leaks to the press, and that order leaked to the press. This idea that leaks are killing Trump, but they've never killed an administration before, is just not true. The difference is Trump. The difference is Trump. And Republicans would be wise to acknowledge this, because if they don't acknowledge this, they're going to have an even bigger problem. They're going to have an even bigger problem if we put our heads in the sand here. If we just pretend that the only problem Trump has is the opposition to Trump, you're not going to get better Trump. And you're not going to create enough breathing room where if Trump really does do something that warrants some sort of blowback, that you've created the breathing room so it doesn't hit you too. And that's deeply important. Right now, Republicans have basically stapled themselves to Trump's leg like the chicken crossing the road, right? They've stapled themselves to Trump's leg. And that means that if 
if Trump makes a big mistake, if Trump jumps into a landmine, the entire Republican Party goes along with him. Right now, the polls show this. The polls are showing, I know people don't like polls, but polls are still data. Right now, the polls are showing, on average, there are three new polls about the congressional ballot. On average, D plus eight going into 2018. If it remains D plus eight, not only do the Republicans lose the House of Representatives, they lose it by a fairly significant margin. This all has to stop, and that means that Trump has to do better. So, Republicans ought to be doing two things. One, yes, playing defense when defense is warranted. Yes, pointing out that the media are full of crap. Yes, pointing out... And they are way out over their skis. Yes, pointing out the concerted attempt by the intel community to take down Trump. But this, in the end, is on Trump because Trump is the only person who can combat this. You cannot combat it for him. Sean Hannity cannot combat it for him. Only Trump can combat this by being better at this job. George W. Bush filled his administration with people who are loyal to him. Trump should do the same. George W. Bush created loyalty in the people who worked for him because he didn't throw them under the bus at the first available opportunity. Trump must do the same. George W. Bush did not leak classified information to the Russians and then ask his people out there to defend him and then undercut them. He didn't fire his FBI director and give a bad excuse and then undercut the excuse on Twitter. All of this means Trump has to be better. One of two things has to happen here for Republicans. One of two things has to happen here. Either Republicans have to push Trump into a position where he's better at his job which he's never had to do before, or they're going to have to create a little bit of distance between themselves and Trump. And again, that doesn't mean abandoning Trump in the field of unfair fire. But it does mean that if Trump is going to continually hurt himself, the Republican Party cannot be tied to him this way. It's going to hurt them. They will lose the congressional majority. And then for all of it, it'll piss off the base, for sure, for them not to be out there rah-rahing Trump every step of the way. But you can rah-rah Trump every step of the way, and if you got 35% of the vote, it don't make one damn bit of difference. The fact is, Trump's base is not big enough to carry another election cycle. It was barely big enough to carry this election cycle, and that was running against the worst candidate in American history. Republicans are going to have to pay attention to the fact that Trump is making big mistakes here. And so I think it's, it's a mistake for people to double down on this whole Trump is a snowflake. I mean, I, I'm, he's the president of the United States. He's not a snowflake. He can take it. I was, I was informed that Trump was a tough guy who fights. Okay, so let's see the tough guy who fights and fights by doing the right things, not by doing the wrong things and then complaining when things go wrong. That's what I would like to see. I would like to see Trump do all of the right things. I would, see, I would like to see the Republican Party defend him when he does the right things. But right now, Democrats are using impeachment as a 2018 wedge issue. That's how bad things have gotten for President Trump. The last two weeks have been disastrous for President Trump. And all the spinning in the world is not going to get people off these issues. Because as much as we like to assure ourselves here on the right that people in quote-unquote flyover country, all the Trump voters are just ignoring all this stuff. It's all just D.C. insidery stuff. That is not what the polls show. And the fact is, if that were true, Hillary Clinton might be president because everybody would have ignored all of her email scandals. Or they didn't ignore the email scandals because people get a general perception. That's not how people vote. People get a general perception about a political leader, and then that perception is ingrained in them. And right now, Trump is ingraining a general perception that he is in over his head, that he is out over his skis, and that he doesn't really know what he's doing. Tucker Carlson trying to trying to misdirect is not going to help him. Tucker Carlson did this yesterday. He was talking about this, this Russian investigation stuff, which is indeed overblown. And Tucker Carlson tried to play the, well, it's not that important to Americans card. I'm not saying that the Russia question should be ignored. I don't know what's at the bottom of it. I don't think anybody does. I resent people pretending they do when they don't. But let's look into it. But is it more important than the stated goals of the administration or, I don't know, the opioid crisis in your state or persistent unemployment? All these things are important. Right, okay. Talking, yeah. so, but and, and Russia seems like the most important by far well, to the Democratic the Party right now. 
Okay, when, when he says that people in flyover country care more about the opioid crisis, yeah, but that was true when Obama was president and his scandals mattered. Okay, the fact is that the case we made on Russia is there's not enough evidence yet, but this idea that Republicans are going to be able to evade the consequences of bad governance by simply blaming the media, I don't think that it's going to work. I just don't. I just think it's bad strategy. Forget about the morality of the media for a second. We all know that they're a crap show. We all know that they're left. They've been left my entire life. I've spent my entire career ripping the media up and down. I have personally been responsible for several members of the mainstream media losing their jobs, among them Piers Morgan, Martin Bashir. Okay, these are people who... who I fought against. I used to lead an organization specifically designed to take down members of the media in retaliation for the left trying to do the same with right-wing members of the media. We had a reverse media matters called Truth Revolt that I ran that was dedicated to taking down members of the media in the same way that the left was dedicated to taking down members of the media so we could create a mutually assured destruction. To say that I'm not all in on the anti-media fight is just absurd. Of course I'm all in on the anti-media fight. I wrote an entire book about how Hollywood is biased to the left. Primetime Propaganda. I've been in this fight my entire life, but in order for me to be in the fight, President Trump has to stop handing his enemies missiles. And the Republicans have to understand that if they continue to go down this road, it's going to be a problem. Now, all the talk about impeachment is early. Uh, there is no reason to talk about impeachment yet because there's no rationale for impeachment yet. Russ Dudhat has a ridiculous column today in which he says that the people around Trump should invoke the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. I like some of what Russ Dudhat writes, but this is silly. They should invoke the 25th Amendment mental incapacity and get rid of him. If Republicans did this, it would be a disaster for them, obviously. But Republicans are going to have to make a calculation at a certain point. If something truly scandalous comes out about Trump, and I mean scandalous in that it is purely criminal activity, and he is impeachable, Republicans then are going to have to make a decision. Is standing by Trump more important than putting Mike Pence in the presidency and getting some things done? And we're not at that point yet, nor should we be at that point yet. And Republicans are obviously not going to impeach Trump unless he does something truly egregious. But because of the last two weeks, they're going to have to start thinking about when does the cost outweigh the benefit and when does the benefit outweigh the cost to all of this? Again, this is not a call for them to, to start talking about impeachment because now is not the time. There's nothing impeachable here. Now is a time to play defense on the overcharging that the media have been doing. But the question that Republicans increasingly are going to have to ask themselves if things continue this way is, are you willing to lose the House in 2018 and the presidency in 2020 just to make the point that you don't like the media very much? Or would you like to do the smart thing and leave enough distance between yourself and Trump that if Trump, who's proving himself to be not very good at this job, that if Trump decides to set himself aflame, you don't get scorched by the flames? Okay. Time for some things I like and then some things I hate, and we'll do some Bible talk. So, on things I like, uh, we're doing some religious literature this week. Uh, so, this is a, a good little book that nobody knows about outside the Jewish community, and the Orthodox community is very popular. It's called If You Were God by Rabbi Arya Kaplan. Rabbi Arya Kaplan, really fascinating figure. Arya Kaplan was a, a, an actual scientist. Uh, he graduated, I believe, with a degree in physics from the University of Maryland. Uh, he was uh, he, he had a, a long and kind of storied secular career. He uh, worked for the U.S. Air Force. Uh, he worked with the National Science Foundation uh, and uh, was uh, also a deeply, deeply religious Jew and a Kabbalist. The book, If You Were God, is basically why does pain happen in the world? Why do bad things happen? And he does it from the perspective of God. So if you were God and you were, let's say, king of an island, in the and in, in this island were filled with warring tribes fighting with each other, and you presenting yourself would destroy free will, because then everybody would either obey you or defy you, but nobody would actually have free will. 
then how would you govern the universe? And would you allow nature to take its course? Would you hide behind nature? Really fascinating little essay. It's like 100 pages. Uh, and there are a couple other essays in this book. If You Were God by R.E.A. Kaplan, really clear and lucid writer. His books are really fun to read. Uh, if You Were God by R.E.A. Kaplan, you can check that out. Okay, time for uh, some things I hate in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Indochino. So, the other day I did the coolest thing that I've done in a while. I went over to one of the Indochino stores over in Beverly Hills on Santa Monica Boulevard, and I uh, and I had a suit custom fit to me, which was really awesome. So they brought out all they brought out a suit. Uh, they they had a, a professional who came out and took a bunch of measurements of me from all different angles uh, and shaped a suit directly to fit me. And then she had me pick up from a bunch of different materials a ton of different materials. She had me pick the lining of the suit. She had me pick the weave on the suit. She had me pick the the stitching on the suit. She had me pick uh, everything, that the, the, the flap in the back of the suit. It's all customized just for you at, over at Indochino.com. And a custom tailored suit is the best a dude can look. If you are interested in looking great for a wedding or a business meeting and you don't want to buy something off the rack, I own off the rack suits. They don't fit me like my Indochino suit does. That's because they're not tailored to me. The Indochino suit is tailored directly to you. If you go to Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com, promo code Shapiro, right now you can get any premium Indochino suit for just 379 bucks, which is an amazing price. When I got a tailored suit for my wedding, it was like $1,000. The Indochino suit, which is made direct for you, right? It's not even like they're taking something off the rack and then customizing it. It's made direct for you. The Indochino suit is just $379 when you use that promo code Shapiro at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made measure premium suit and the shipping is free indochino.com promo code shapiro for any premium suit 379 bucks it's a lot of fun by the way if you can go over to their shop then they'll do it for you but if you can't then you can send all the measurements in yourself and you can do it all online you can have your spouse help you do the measurements you send it all in and uh, and they will make it right they'll help you make it right if it doesn't fit if they send it to you so indochino.com really one of the more fun experiences I've had in the last month, Indochino.com, promo code Shapiro, any premium Indochino suit for just 379 bucks. Everybody looks better in a suit. You can pick all the customizations. Really a cool, cool product. Okay, so time for some things that I hate. So one of the things that President Trump has uh, done in the last month that is not so good is uh, he has made some moves on Israel that are really unpleasant. And I don't make this the top of the show because I don't think it's top of mind. But you know, President Trump, apparently, uh, he did a, uh, apparently the information that he leaked to the Russians essentially outed an Israeli spy in ISIS, which is just awful. Also, General McMaster yesterday came out and refused to say that Jerusalem is a part of Israel, which is just crazy. He refused to say the Western Wall is a part of Israel. Okay, this is Obama administration type stuff. It's Obama administration type stuff. There's no excuse for it. And Nikki Haley, thank God for Nikki Haley, the UN ambassador, she said, no matter what our administration says, no matter what Trump says, Jerusalem is an eternal part of Israel and the Western Wall is part of Israel. Thank you, Nikki Haley. I don't understand why this is so tough for anybody to say. I was informed by President Trump he was going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. That obviously is not going to happen at this point. Okay, other things that I hate today... Chelsea Manning was released from prison. Chelsea Manning is, of course, Bradley Manning, who is a dude who thinks he's a woman. He's a transgender woman. He's going to leave Fort Leavenworth's military prison on Wednesday with 28 years left on his original 35-year sentence. It was commuted last second by President Obama. He was charged and convicted with sharing hundreds of thousands of classified U.S. records with WikiLeaks. And WikiLeaks is bad. Okay, those of us on the right who were consistent about this and thought WikiLeaks was always bad, we still think WikiLeaks is bad, and we think Chelsea Manning's a traitor. The reality is that if Chelsea Manning had not been transgender, Chelsea Manning is still in prison today. This was a politically correct move by President Obama at the last minute to commute Chelsea Manning's sentence. Chelsea Manning 
you know, thinking that he is a woman does not change the underlying crime that Chelsea Manning committed. We are all, by the way, going to be paying for his sex change anyway, apparently. The Military Times says that this treatment will cost $50,000 and it will be paid for by us. Manning reportedly attempted suicide twice in prison and said via a statement last week, prison was particularly difficult due to, quote, nearly seven years of bars and cement, of periods of solitary confinement, of my health care and autonomy restricted, including through routinely forced haircuts. Routinely forced haircuts? Like, really? You're a traitor. You, you, you sent a bunch of classified military information to the world at large, and now we're letting you out 28 years early because you said you were a woman. Okay, now Chelsea Manning may well believe that Chelsea Manning is a woman. Chelsea, that, that does not change the calculus here whatsoever. This idea that if you are a member of a particular intersectional victim group, you get to commit crimes against the United States is just insane. Chelsea Manning's support network has raised almost $140,000 in online donations to help cover initial living expenses in a GoFundMe campaign, according to the New York Times. Just nuts. Just nuts. Or lack thereof, depending on how you see this thing. Okay, other things that I hate. So, yesterday over at the Turkish embassy, uh, the uh, the Turkish dictator is a type of Erdogan. He just strengthens his dictatorship. And at the Turkish embassy yesterday, a bunch of protesters showed up because Erdogan is in the United States visiting with President Trump. And uh, here is some video from what happened outside the Turkish embassy. For those who can't see, uh, they're, they're protesters and suited suited security for Erdogan go in and start beating the hell out of the protesters. They're kicking people while they're on the ground. The police are trying to break it up. And you can see these police officers hitting some of the protesters. And then you can see, I mean, look at this. You can see the security for the Turkish embassy kicking a dude while he's lying prone on the ground while the police try to break it up. Okay, this is the United States, gang. Okay, this is happening in our country. I mean, this is insane. You're watching video from yesterday of members of the Turkish staff beating the hell out of protesters who are there to protest the fact that a, a, a Islamic dictator has taken over their country. Just, just utterly asinine and insane. This sort of stuff should not be happening in the United States of America. And it would be nice if President Trump would actually make some sort of comment about that today to Erdogan, but that seems rather doubtful. Okay, uh, final note on things that I hate. I want to talk a little bit about the Seth Rich case. So yesterday I mentioned the Seth Rich case, and I'd be remiss if I did not bring you the latest updates on this. So everybody has gone you know, beyond what the evidence shows in the Seth Rich case. There was an attempt to obfuscate <coughs> excuse me, the, the news that President Trump had supposedly given classified information to the Russians, uh, spilled it to the Russians. There's an attempt on, on mainstream right-wing media to obfuscate this by talking about the Seth Rich case. There was a very shoddy, not well-substantiated story from Fox 5 DC, we talked about it yesterday, that provided some new information that supposedly said that the FBI had Seth Rich's computer. Seth Rich is, of course, a DNC staffer who was murdered last year There were, amid rumors that he was spilling all the WikiLeaks, uh, all of the DNC material the WikiLeaks. It wasn't actually the Russians. It was actually an inside job. Well, there was a lot, there was a lot of coverage. Sean Hannity covered it extensively last night. It did, basically, it came because a private investigator in the case, a guy named Wheeler, Rod Wheeler, he came out and he said that he had evidence that the guy was spilling to WikiLeaks, and then Fox News reported they had talked to an FBI advisor who had said that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of emails that had been transferred to WikiLeaks on Seth Rich's computer. Now, the family immediately said that this is insane, and there's no reason to actually think that any of this is true. And uh, Brad Bauman, who's a Democratic spokesperson and also a spokesperson for the Rich family, he said there's a special place in hell for people who are pushing this particular story. The Washington Examiner, run by Byron York, who is an ally of President Trump's, and the Washington Examiner is not an anti-Trump paper in any way. It's a very right-wing paper. 
They have a story about this today, and here is what they find. Okay, what they found is that Wheeler has said that he believed local authorities were conducting a cover-up, but Wheeler recanted most of his story on Tuesday evening. He told CNN he had no proof Rich was ever in contact with WikiLeaks, according to CNN. And this is Wheeler saying it to CNN, so it's not just CNN saying this. According to CNN... Wheeler said he only learned about the possible existence of such evidence through the reporter he spoke to for the Fox News story. So in other words, Fox News reported the story and the reporter told Wheeler the information and Wheeler repeated it back to the Fox News person. He explained that the comments he made to WTTG-TV were intended to preview Fox News' Tuesday story. Asked about a quote attributed to him in the Fox News story in which he said his investigation up to this point shows there was some degree of email exchange between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks. Wheeler said he was referring to information that had already been reported in the media. So in other words, this guy Wheeler is totally full of crap. He was he was going off of unsubstantiated media reports. And then he talked to a reporter who said that they talked to an FBI advisor. And then he went out and said, I have information that Seth Rich was talking to WikiLeaks based on what the reporter had told him about the FBI advisor. What does the FBI say? Well, according to the FBI, they say that they don't even have the laptop. The FBI never had it, apparently. It's only in the possession of the D.C. police. So the idea that the FBI knows that all this material had been transferred over to WikiLeaks is just not true. The, uh, apparently, this, this Rod Wheeler fellow was being paid for by a financial advisor and Fox News contributor named Ed Butowski. Butowski had denied that outright to me- members of the media, so he just lied, basically. Um, he declined to respond when he was asked if he was in contact with the Rich family. He said, this can't possibly go well. I didn't pay anybody. I didn't hire anybody. And then he referred all questions to Wheeler. Apparently, Butowski connected the Rich family to Wheeler and offered to pay the private investigators fees, according to the family spokesperson. So... All of the bombshell stuff about Seth Rich this week, it turns out that it is basically garbage and you should not believe any of it. And this is why here at the Ben Shapiro Show, we try to substantiate all of the reports that we make and take all of the evidence seriously before we just dismiss New York Times reports or accept Fox News reports. Not all reports are created equal and we have to evaluate them on their facts. And that is true about Trump, just as it was true about Obama. Okay. Quick Bible talk here. So this week's Parsha in the Bible, we every week we go through what the what the Jews are reading in, in the Torah. And this week's portion comes from Leviticus. This is the portion known as the Tochacha. This is the, the blessings and curses section of the Torah where God says, if you fulfill the promises, then this is what we'll do. And if you don't fulfill the promises, I will kick your ass so hard, your head will spin. That's basically the, the notion here. So this is from Leviticus uh, 26, 43. And it says, the land will be bereft of them, appeasing its sabbaticals when it had been desolate of them. They will gain appeasement for their iniquity. This was all in retribution for their having despised my ordinances and in retribution for their having rejected my statutes. <clears throat> but despite all this, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not despise them, nor will I reject them to annihilate them, thereby breaking my covenant that is with them, for I am the Lord their God. I will remember for them the covenant made with the ancestors whom I took out of the land of Egypt before the eyes of the nations to be a God to them. I am the Lord these are the statutes, the ordinances, and the laws the Lord gave between himself and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. So the idea here is really a fascinating one. God gives all of these curses, and he says, if you break the rules, I will hit you this hard. I will, I will do this and this and this and this. Things will be terrible. And then at the end, he says, even while I'm punishing you, I'm not going to despise you or reject you to annihilate you because I still have a covenant with them, and I will remember the covenant, and for the sake of that covenant, I will... I will return you to Israel and I will and I will make things better and rectify the breach. That's God acting in mercy. One of the great myths about the Old Testament is that the God of the Old Testament is fire and brimstone, no mercy. 
in the, the Old Testament talks routinely about God being a God of mercy, and this is just another example of that. It's also an example of how it's important to keep promises even if the other side doesn't. And I think that this is, you know, this is something that is true in politics just as it is true in life. If someone breaks a promise with you, the temptation is to just abandon the promise altogether. It is important insofar as you can, to keep promises that are moral promises that you made, that are not dependent on the other person. God made a moral promise to the Jewish people that he would not abandon them, and he would not abandon them even if they abandoned him, because in the end, the covenant is unbreakable and the covenant is unshakable. It is the same between us as Americans. Our covenant is unbreakable and unshakable, and before casting each other out into the wilderness because we disagree with one another, we should remember the promises we made to one another. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 